welcome to episode 141 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. As you know, it is Preakness weekend, and we are here tonight to cover an action-packed day of racing on Saturday with many stakes on the card at Pimlico. And to help us do that, in just a few minutes, we're going to be bringing on not only my wonderful co-host, but also TVG's own Caleb Keller, a fantastic analyst will be joining us also in a few minutes to cover uh, the card at Pimlico on Saturday. And also we'll find a lot more out about Caleb and his life in horse racing. Please make sure, of course, subscribe. We have a lot of people that watch, especially on Twitter, but I also know a lot of you uh, have not subscribed yet. So please make sure you subscribe there on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. You guys know the drill. Smash that thumbs up button. That will uh, get more people to the show. And then also hit that notification bell so that you know when new content will be arising on the show. Of course, you can reach me on Twitter at hkravitz on the name tag below. And on the scroll down below, you'll see my email, which is going to be very important for a specific reason, which I'll mention in just a minute, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Now, you can see on the bottom of the screen, our next show, next week we're going to have two shows, Tuesday and Thursday. However, next Tuesday is going to be a, a very different show. It's going to be completely all about you. It's going to be viewer and listener Q&A session, as you can see on the bottom of the screen right now if you are watching live on YouTube. So here's what I need. If you cannot join us live on Tuesday for the question and answer uh, session and podcast, please feel free to do one of two things. You can either uh, send me a DM on Twitter. That's what I would prefer. If you follow me on Twitter, send me a DM with any horse racing question uh, that you have, or you could email me hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. If you have a specific question you'd like to ask us uh, on the show, of course, we'd love to have you live so we can have a very lively discussion. Uh, we will be having um, some combination of our co-hosts and uh, possibly Kyle Roscoe as well. I don't think it's only going to be me. We should have some other people uh, joining me as well next Tuesday for the Q&A session. But I thought it's a good time between the Preakness and the Belmont to take a little bit of a breather next Tuesday and just go to the mailbag, so to speak, and answer questions. And that's what we'll be doing next Tuesday. So please feel free uh, to ask me some questions. Of course, you can also listen on... Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor, you know that, and the Race Day blog down below the video player. Uh, just press show more below the video player. You can find out all the great promotions we have here on the HHH Racing Podcast, especially the Race Day blog. We already have a bunch of people here live. We got Bruce is here. He's a huge uh, Clement fan. Steven is here, all right to rock and roll. Jason Casa. Jason, I'm not sure I've seen your name before. If you're new to the show, Jason, welcome to the show. We got Phil Conti. Uh, we have Les is here. Again, Stephen wants to know about uh, some – Stephen just wants to rock and roll right into uh, what's going on. Oh, boy. We have we have uh, someone that I can't bring up him right now. I know our guest uh, from TVG is going to be very interested in possibly swinging back at Penn State Scott. Ooh. Boo, Penn State Scott. We, we can't have a part of that. We'll talk about our guest, um, who is probably not a huge Penn State fan uh, because he went to the same uh, college that I did. Anyway, before we bring on our wonderful guest from TVG, let's bring on my fantastic co-host. They're going to help us uh, guide through the Preakness State card. 
We've got, of course, Pete Visco and Paul Halloran. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Hi, Howard. Uh, Pete, you got your uh, mic, you got your sound off. I'm sure you'll take care of that. Uh, Paul, Paul, Look you got a little emoji going Look there tonight, move. huh? That's the, the limits of my technology. Wow. <laughs> well, that is very, very impressive. Uh, Pete, now that you're all mic'd up, how are you doing? You ready to rock and roll? I'm it's doing awesome. Card, Let's sadly. do it. Hey, by the way, Penn State, Scott, wait till you find out that I'm actually not a Penn State football fan. I'm a Nebraska fan, so hope that doesn't Whoa. hope that doesn't put you against me. But Whoa, that is that could be a major, <laughs> a major issue. Uh, <laughs> gentlemen, we got a really uh, exciting card, of course, on Saturday. And our, our, our guest is waiting backstage. I don't want to wait uh, too much any longer here. Guys, real quick before I bring on. Uh, our wonderful guests. Any quick thoughts about the card Saturday, as you, especially the late pick five? Anything stand out to you in particular? I just Pete? thought it was – there's some deep races. I thought the – especially the first four of the, of the sequence, I think you can go pretty deep, as maybe we'll probably see in some of our pick five tickets. And you need that. On a big day, it's good to have not small fields. We get too used to seeing those. So I'm excited about the, the deep fields and, and some exciting racing. Paul, anything yeah. to stand out before I bring on Caleb? Yeah, no, I know, Howard, you mentioned the other night, uh, and Pete, how tough a sequence. I really didn't get into it till this afternoon uh, uh, when I had to do my homework. And sure. uh, I, I think the turf sprint before the Preakness is about as tough as it gets. Yeah. And I think the other three races prior to that, you know, there's not only more than one what you would call logical horse, Um there's no guarantee that any of the logicals are going to win. So ticket structure is going to be uh, extremely important in my opinion. And I, I think it's a, you know, it's kind of a classic ABC type of yep. thing. You just got to have the the right A's, the right B's and the right C's. Well, we'll be jumping into that guys. Uh, just for the viewers at home and the listeners, uh, here's what's happening tonight. We talk about this tomorrow. I know we have a lot of new viewers and listeners. We're going back to our more traditional show, sort of what, what, what I uh, envisioned the show being from the start a year and a half ago. So we're going to be bringing on Caleb Keller here in literally about 30 seconds. And we're going to talk to him for about 15 minutes about his background, his life in horse racing, and then we will get into our pick five handicapping. So, of course, we want you to stay on for the next 15, 20 minutes. You can ask questions to Caleb about his life and his background, and then we'll get into the handicapping. So the actual handicapping of the card will start in approximately 15 or 20 minutes or so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, I, I, I almost said a let's bring on my coworker. Of course, you know, I've had a TVG appearance. Oh, Granted, God, it was go. only there 15 minutes and Caleb there went on for eight hours, but I had a chance to <laughs> do so. Let's bring on my colleague from TVG. <laughs> he, he just worked. A long shift, and I'm so happy and, and honored that he's going to spend time with us for the next hour after working a long day. Let's bring him on from TVG, the one and only Caleb Keller. Caleb, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, and as you gentlemen know, you're not working when you're talking about horses. So I've been uh, really pleased with uh, what I've heard from you guys. I uh, had a chance to tune into some of the YouTubes more recently after I met you and download some of the Apple uh, podcasts. But you guys really do a great job of dissecting the race true handicappers and betters talking about ticket structure and whatnot. So uh, you got some uh, top class insight here on the show. Well, thanks a lot, Caitlin. Thank we, we, we appreciate it. Uh, Pete Visco in the top right. has got a little Penn state background, as I mentioned. So we got to look out for him. And we also, we have some other Penn state and a lot of Northeast influence. So our, us Midwest guys, Caleb, I have to represent 
tonight, especially uh, represent the Hoosiers, because as I, if you recall, I talked to you and met you at TVG. I also went to IU uh, a bunch of years before you, but who's counting anyway? Uh, so we have a lot of things in common. We'll be, we'll be talking about IU a little bit as well. Caleb, for those people that are not too familiar with you, you've been on TVG for quite a while, but we do have a lot of new people and we have a lot of younger people that have uh, joined this podcast as subscribers, which I'm very proud of because I think it's important to get that younger crowd. Can you ble- briefly tell everyone uh, your background in horse racing and where you're from originally? Well, I grew up right next to the Kentucky Derby. I was born in Louisville and grew up essentially in Louisville. It's right across the Ohio River in Indiana. They call it Kentuckiana, but uh, Southern Indiana, essentially Louisville. And, uh, you know, just uh, the Kentucky Derby was like the biggest day of the year. It was a family reunion time for everybody uh, in Floyd's Knobs, Indiana, have these big parties. So I was always loved the Derby and the pageantry around it, although I didn't grow up uh, in a horse family. You know, nobody in my family worked at the track. We actually had cattle in my backyard growing up uh, in Indiana. But eventually, about midway through high school, I had a couple friends that uh, their dad or their uncle went to the track and started going there. And, you know, once I saw the racing form, I was always a big stats guy in sports and uh, just loved the stats and numbers. And starting at about age, I'd say about 16, then there's been no turning back. I've been trying to solve these races ever since. Um, Caleb, just to let you know the uh, process here. I know you heard uh, what we're going to be doing on the show, but you're also going to see uh, comments and questions on the bottom of the screen from viewers. Like, for example, K2. There you go, Caleb. You got a big fan club already. K2 giving you some props as an excellent handicapper. Uh, K2, thanks for joining the show. Things like that, Caleb. Of course, only positives because everyone loves you. So we're not. there are no negatives, of course. We got a lot of people watching live on YouTube and Twitter, Caleb. So we have a, we have a big following Excited that you're going to be here. Um, Paul Halloran there on the bottom right-hand uh, corner has something in common with you. Actually, the three of us have something in common. We all have big basketball background. We're going to get into that. Paul, by the way, is a, a high school and college, I think, Paul, if I recall, uh, basketball referee. Caleb, you actually had a podcast involving basketball, and I coached basketball for, <laughs> for 20 years. So uh, maybe we should just turn this into a basketball podcast, Caleb. I coached, I coached a little bit too, so I, I, not, not as long as that, but a little bit too. So I love, I love hoops. Caleb, can you talk a little bit about your uh, basketball? I know you're an excellent golfer as well. Did you hit golf balls over the cattle when you were younger, maybe? Uh, yes, I did, actually. In the <laughs> there field. we go. And uh, we, go, we go mushroom hunting this time of year, and my nieces are still finding golf balls that I hit out of the woods <laughs> many uh, years ago. But, look, basketball is a different level in southern Indiana. I mean, everybody oh, yeah. is so passionate about it. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we have such low expectations right now. I mean, if we just make the tournament like this year, I was pretty happy with that. But we're a far way removed from the glory days. But in terms of passion, uh, I think that Indiana's got the number one state in terms of who wants to win a basketball game the most. I believe you're kicked out of the state if you don't like basketball. That's what I – That's that, Pretty much. I, my, I was a big sports fan and basketball fan. I'm from the Chicago area, Caleb. I live 20 minutes north of Arlington. Um, I was always a big basketball fan, and actually I was down there, uh, I'll give you, people know my age, from 90 to 94, which was basically the last uh, Bobby Knight real good run. They went with Damon Bailey, Allen Henderson. We lost three home games in my four years, Caleb, mm. when I was at IU. And actually the football team had a few good years as well. Uh, but anyway, we, we digress. We're not going to talk too much about uh, IU sports tonight. Caleb, we're going to jump into one of my uh, segments that I created on the show that's very popular with our guests. You're about to see it on the screen. It is called 10 Minutes to Post. 10 Minutes to Post. Caleb, this is going to be 10 
rapid fire questions and our co-host Pete and Paul uh, and myself, we're just going to be alternating one question at a time. These are rapid fire, so you can answer them in five seconds. You can take, you know, 30 seconds, but it's meant to be uh, pretty quick. They are mainly uh, sport, uh, sorry, horse racing questions, but there are also some uh, mystery non-horse racing questions. So I'll go, we'll just go in this order, guys. I'll go first and then Pete, and then Paul, so we just keep it consistent. So here we are you ready for 10 minutes to post? Yes, Caleb? indeed, let's go. 10 minutes to All right, post. here let's we go. <laughs> first question, you'll see them on the bottom of the screen. What was the first moment you fell in love with horses or horse racing? Uh, that pink saddle cloth here behind my man, uh, when Barbaro oh. crossed the wire. That was that was the first time I actually handicapped the Kentucky Derby uh, in high school in, in uh, study hall, and not that he was the hardest horse to find, he was undefeated, but placing $12 on Barbaro, and watching him shoot down the stretch was the absolute moment for me. Wow, that, that's, a, that's a great story. Uh, Pete, go ahead. Ooh, best, most memorable horse racing event ever attended. Good one. I don't know. I think this rich strike that I had a chance to see right up there on the rail, not, not to obviously have the, uh, the recency bias, but the stunned nature of everybody around that they literally could not believe what they just saw. I can't think of, of a bigger upset that I saw in person than what we just saw there in the Derby. I'm I'm sorry. Did you want to follow up uh, with that, Pete, at all? No, 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 not at all. Okay. Again, Pete and Paul, feel free to follow up with a very brief question if if you'd like to, or we can just keep moving on. Uh, Paul, this is yours. Okay, Caleb, your bucket list track or race day event you would like to attend anywhere in the world? I'm going to say the Belmont. I've never been to Belmont. Uh, TVG at times. Now there's a little bit of separation between uh, New York racing and California, but uh, I had a chance to be at Saratoga. Uh, the one big event and the one big track I haven't been to is Big Sandy. Caleb, you come this year, you come to Don Pepe's with Howard and me the night before the race. It'll be the best Italian meal you've ever had. I, I love the in. accents and the meals. Trust me, I love the East Coasters. Tom Cassidy was always the best when I hung out with him. I actually lived with him for a while out here in TVG land from the East Coast. But I'm a fan of the East Coasters. Caleb, we'll take care. I'm going to my first Triple Crown race next month, and it's going to be the Belmont. And I'm having dinner with that. Oh, I got to do this right there. I always screw this up. That guy right there on the bottom right side of the screen. I heard Don Peppies is fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, meet, meet us out there. I'm sure you got no plans. Uh, you should join us. Uh, next question. Uh, what advice would you give someone who wants to work in the broadcast industry, Caleb? I would say start your own content, number one. And uh, if you have the chance to exactly create a show like this, I mean, the things are ripe to create your own content. We learned a lot about user-generated content in college. And then for the ones that want to get to an entry level, my advice is you'd rather go get somebody coffee at a big company that you can move up in as opposed to being the announcer at a triple, you know, at a minor league ballpark. So go to the bigger company and take the smaller role. And if you're good enough, you'll move up. That's great advice. You got to work your way up. I was actually a journalism uh, major at IU. Wrote for the Indiana Daily Student, uh, Caleb. So mm-hmm. again, I'd love to talk to you off air. We have a lot of things in common. <laughs> I won't, I don't want to bore people too much at home. Um, but, you know, I, I always wanted to be, uh, when I was younger, sort of Harry Carey, the announcer for the Chicago Cubs. I'm very I'm a full-time high school math teacher. I love what I do. But this is sort of my, I'm living vicariously uh, through my journalism broadcasting background now. And I did give Todd Shrupp a resume. I haven't heard back yet from TVG. Yeah. But, so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Pete, you got the next question. You need, a lot, you need to drink a lot more beers if you want to be Harry Carey, by the way. Uh, <laughs> sure. Most embarrassing, crazy moment on air with TVG. 
Um, you know, there was a time where I started uh, doing some like juicing, like juice cleanses and everything. And I had like the, the Nutribullet and this, and I was all excited about my, my fruit juices and everything. And then one day on the show, it's me riding solo. And like the seeds from the berries, I like, got stuck in the oh. gasphinctosoid, as Paul, as uh, as Todd Shrupp would say, and I had no way out. Couldn't talk, no water in sight. Literally, just like choking there on the air. So I'm gonna say, and I did away with the fruit drinks after. So the juice cleanse literally lasted for one day at Mountaineer. Got choked up and haven't drank them since. <laughs> That's awesome, <laughs> Paul. Caleb, your favorite non-horse racing sporting event you've ever been to. I'm going to say the Final Four, 2010. Actually, I got a chance to be a ticket intern for a company called Razor Gator. And that was the time where Butler had the shot in the air to win the national oh. title. And it was in Indianapolis. Like every Butler wow. alum in the city paid for their one big ticket. And it's in a football stadium. So 90,000 watching a basketball <laughs> game. And that was a Shakespearean experience, Duke versus Butler. Wow. Uh Pretty easy question, Caleb. Do you have a favorite horse of all time? I'm going to say Groupie Doll. You know, Groupie oh, wow. Doll is a horse that uh, I, I – the clocker told me that the horse could really run for Buff Bradley. And the first time they ran her, she was on the turf, and she ran eighth. But then the next time she ran her uh, on a Friday night racing, when they just started night racing, she wins at 13-1, to 1, and then she won at Ellis. And then I started at TVG that fall. And – when uh, the guys pressed me as when I was an intern, I was making copies and getting coffee. They're like, who do you like today? I'm like, I like the Buff Bradley. And it was in the Raven run. And she actually lost the race by a nose, got a questionable ride, but she ran huge. And me giving the TVG guys groupie doll on the opening weekend, I think, helped, helped my cause a lot. Yeah. She Caleb, was. I got to tell you, I, I, if I could just interject, I, I got to know Buff when he brought Brass Hat up to Suffolk Downs for the Mass Cap. Got to know him and his late father, who remains one of the great gentlemen I've ever met in my life. So, I, of course, followed the horse. And that second campaign, when she won her second Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint, it just shows, you know, you give a, good, a guy a good horse. Because I, I don't think he brought her back until the Presque Isle Downs Masters, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. Very limited campaign, but able to go back-to-back -back in, in the biggest Philly Sprint of the year. Just did a masterful job with her. Well, the first Breeders' Cup, you know, she was a lock. She was like one to five. But the second right. one, like you talked about, she got beat at Keeneland. She was third in the TCA, really didn't have much of an excuse. But I do remember in that time in between, I asked Buff Bradley if I could come. Actually, he offered me. He said, you want to come out and see Groupie Doll? I've been talking about her nonstop on the air. Like, come on and see her at the farm. And she was turned out at the time. So I drive to Buff Bradley's farm, pull up, and there's Brass Hat and Groupie Doll. And as I'm walking up, he, was, he said, you want to get aboard? <laughs> Even being dead serious, I, I declined the opportunity. But um, looking back, maybe I regret that a little bit. <laughs> uh, just to let you know, Caleb, uh, Paul there on the bottom right, he, he writes for the Saratoga Special up in Saratoga mm. Springs. But, you know, so he has a lot of journalism and PR background. One of the great uh, things that, you know, about having Paul and, and Pete, of course, is excellent as well. Uh, Pete, this question is for you. you Got to read it carefully. By the way, Pete and Paul, actually, Pete, you can see it. Paul, you can't. I had to throw up the next three questions, uh, Caleb, are going to be non horse racing questions, and I had to throw a basketball question, and I know you know the game, so here's the question from Pete. Oh, boy. Up three, <laughs> five seconds left. Your team is on defense. Do you foul on purpose to prevent the three-point attempt or go down swinging? I think it's boring and you hate it when you're down, but I think you got to foul there. There's so many, so many beautiful things have to align. The stars have to come together in the sky. you got to foul there. Yeah, they don't, you gotta practice. they don't enough. Yeah, they don't enough. I think well, that's why. I think yeah, get, I think that's why. 
I think you got to practice it, you know, because you get in a tight spot. I mean, I coached baseball for a long time, and now they just send the guy. We practiced intentional walks. Every time a pitcher threw on the side, he ended with an intentional walk because how many times have you seen a high school kid just block or throw the ball over yeah. the catcher's head? So I kind of agree, but not if you don't practice it regularly. I think as a coach for 20 years, I think – What's changed, and, and again, people are like, why? Because it's fun. That's why we're talking about for just for a second. Uh, they change. I don't know about other states or jurisdictions, but in Illinois, they changed the free throw line rule when you can actually block out. So it used to be, you know, the, the minute it released uh, the, the player's hands at the free throw line, you could step in the lane and block out, right? And then they changed it for safety purposes. I think they did this uh, in the college and throughout the country where you had to wait till it hit the rim before you can actually, mm. you know, go ahead and box out. So as a coach, I found that more difficult to box out, which lent itself to maybe more offensive rebounds or or tip backs. And so that changed my personal strategy a little bit. And anyway, we can get into it. We, we've seen it work both ways, guys, right? Sometimes you foul and things go crazy with a, a made free throw, a tip out, and a score. But mostly it seems like teams that decide to just play traditional defense, somehow a team like banks in a three from 35 feet. Just crazy stuff seems to happen all the time. When you try to play it the traditional way, Caleb, doesn't it? It actually worked out for Indiana. They were down three at Syracuse. They yep. got fouled with one second to go. They made the first one, missed the second one. Trace Jackson got the rebound, put it back in, went to overtime, still lost. Crazy. <laughs> uh, Paul, you got the next question? What team do you enjoy IU beating the most? Kentucky. It's not even close. I missed that game so bad. I mean, it was like the best – three days of the year was Christmas, your birthday, and Indiana versus Kentucky. So I think Calipari got a little scared when the loaded Indiana team with Oladipo was going to come to Rupp Arena. They were undefeated at home at the time. Cal wanted to go to a neutral site, and Indiana wanted to keep it on campus, and the whole thing crumbled, and they basically haven't played since. But Indiana and Kentucky, not even close to the number one team I'd want to beat the Wildcats. Because of that rivalry, one of my least favorite basketball players when I was younger, Jamal Mashburn. I just hate oh, that yep. guy. Number Hated 24, for sure, for Patino. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, I got the last question, Caleb. Uh, top songs or artists on your playlist? Hmm. You know what? I like going back to some uh, 90s hip-hop. Uh, I got Nas going. Uh, I heard Lauren Hill is going to be at the Preakness. Is that true? But yeah. I, I, like yes. some, I like some old-school, uh, true 90s hip-hop. Nice. Uh, by the way, Pete lives how far from Pimlico, Pete, do you live? Uh, it's probably about 20 minutes now, but I actually live like I live less than 10 minutes from Laurel. So I, I'm, a, I'm more of a Laurel guy than Pimlico. But, yeah, both of them are pretty close. Caleb, I have one more question outside of the um, uh, that's the end of 10 minutes, suppose, by the way. I hope you enjoy that. I've got one more uh, question I want to ask you. And Paul and I saw this and we had to bring it up. Can you please you're going to see a picture on the screen here, uh, Caleb. Can you please explain to the viewers what that is? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a while back. That's actually me in front of California Chrome. So shout out to my man, uh, Liam Benson, who made that happen. Liam is the man out there at TaylorMade Farm. And this is your obviously proposing. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that's pretty cool right there. Uh, you're a big fan of California Chrome. How did that how did that develop? I mean, just California Chrome being so close to him when he started at Hollywood Park. Uh, I was right there when he debuted that day. And um, just being around Art Sherman and seeing the build up to it. And that was uh, the biggest race I ever hit in my life uh, up to, to this point was having the Superfecta and the every pick threes and everything that day. But uh, California Chrome was, was my best derby to date. 
pretty cool. I have a, I have his picture on the wall back way back there. You can't really see it, but he's back there. Uh-oh. Dean G you might have to leave the show with <laughs> Dean G at the bottom of the screen. I'll tell you, they're all coming out of the woodwork right now, Kale. All right, let's let's get on to the handicapping, guys. Now, here's what's going to happen. We are on a very briefly, and I'm going to let Caleb mainly lead the way here with this uh, for the first three races. So we're going to very briefly, guys, just pretty much your top horse in races four, five, and eight. Those are the three stake races that are outside of the pick five sequence. And then we're going to deep dive uh, into late pick five. And then, Caleb, I know, um, you know, what if you have to leave at any certain time, you know, if, if feel free. I know you've had a long day. So as long as you'd like to stay on, we're probably going to be going until approximately, uh, well, I have you scheduled until about uh, nine o'clock uh, Eastern if you if you can make it. And if not, that, that's fine. Uh, let's go ahead and start talking about the races here on Saturday. We're going to go to the pick four first. Uh, excuse me, we're going to race four, excuse me. And uh, Caleb, sometimes we'll, we'll show everything full screen. Sometimes we'll show our faces as well. Uh, race four is the Maryland Sprint. It's a grade three. It's six furlongs for older males. It's a field of seven. Caleb, who do you like uh, in the Maryland Sprint? I think that Rosario is ready for a big weekend. And yes, he got beat by Mr. Phil last time with the seven. Jackson Traveler, but man, he loves Pimlico. Sits that outside stalking trip. And I just feel like we're going to have a really strong jockey move up here so i'm gonna go with the outside horse here jackson traveler i'm gonna i'm gonna go the four i'm going four seven six i like disco fair i'll go ahead and show uh the pps real quick here again we're not going to deep dive though disco pharaoh is i i'm not sure i like the five to two caleb I, I think i'd like a little bigger price on him but you know he's by fair out of a mine shaft mare which is interesting because he's a sprinter but th this is sort of the now horse he's very lightly raced only four lifetime starts, but I think there's enough speed uh, to set it up for Disco Pharaoh. Pete, who do you like in this race? I have the seven. I'm with Caleb, and this is a. If my dad's listening, this is a Visco special. My son's name is Jackson. My my father bets. <laughs> my father bets every name he could possibly think of. Any any sort of variation of Jackson. So a Jackson Traveler for you, Pop. But I also think I, I the same reason. I like the Rosario pickup. Maybe get a little more patient from the outside and sit off Mister Phil instead of instead of dueling with him and, and then pass him in the lane. Yeah, he's very fast. You mentioned Mister Phil is also fast on the inside, and there's one other. Uh, you know, full authority is not slow. I believe there's one other uh, that might be the one. It. It won, I think yeah, the, the one, one. Yeah, the, the, the one. one I don't, yeah, I don't think the one is quite as fast, but mm -hmm. that's sort of why I like the four. I think it might set up for the four. Uh, Paul, who do you like in this race? Yeah, I'm going to join the parade. I, I've always liked Jackson Traveler uh, as a horse uh, pretty much from the beginning. Uh, he's a, almost a horse for course in this race. He's three starts at Pimlico, two seconds and a first. I agree he can sit. You know, he's also fast. You look four races back, he was second to Chateau, and even though Chateau can't finish the deal, uh, Chateau is about as quick on the front end as uh, as you want to find. So I, I think yeah. he can go either. Rosario is going to have some options, as Pete brings up, especially being on the outside. You know, he, he could probably go either way. Sit, but if, if the horse wants to go, he could take him to the right, right to the lead from out there. Again, we have a lot of people watching. Thanks for watching. Please make sure you comment the top right-hand side of the screen. And if you're wondering why there are no banners on the bottom of the screen for our picks, we will start that in race nine for the pick five. Jeff, let's go on to race five. This is another stake race that is outside of the pick five sequence as I bring up uh, the entries here. It's the Gallerette. It's a grade three. It's a mile and a 16th for the older gals on the turf. It's another field of seven. Caleb, who do you like here? 
I'm going to take the favorite in this lineup. I think that the four is going to get the clear jump on the field. And even though the four is riding off two defeats, I mean, Plum Ally, I loved her when she started her career. And second to Shantasara, I mean, when Shantasara came off the layoff into the race at Keeneland, the Jenny Wiley, they're already like drumming up how they're going to have an eclipse worthy type schedule with her. So even though she was runner up in that race, they think that Shantasara can win the eclipse title. So five links is a lot to get beat in a turf race, but still Shantasara is a monster. Plum Ally is a really strong horse. I just feel like the four has got so much more speed to offer in this race that maybe the two doesn't have early. Yeah, I think the four looks like she's uh, low in speed. And, of course, Klarovich and Chad Brown is a real combination. Caleb, I want to ask you a real quick question. I'm bringing this back on screen. Uh, Jose is riding for Chad Brown. I mean, a lot of great – a lot of riders can ride for Chad and win. Uh, Jose's been on this horse before. Is that why you think he's probably on him as opposed to maybe uh, – I believe Joel is there this weekend or I read. Is this just he knows the horse best would be your guess? I think that the style – I think when – you know, Chad is trying to win these races from, like, seventh eighth ninth you know that that's the preferred style but when he yeah. does have a horse that has above average speed that's when i think he makes the call to jose because this is where jose wants to be first second or third it goes a little bit against the grain of the barn but i think he specifically fits jose on some of the speedier turf horses i think that's an excellent jose's a little i mean he he's very patient as well but i think you know uh you make a good point that jose tends to be a little more aggressive uh, with his riding style. I'm going with the two Crystal Cliffs. I think it's pretty much between the two and the four. I am concerned uh, with this Grand Motion mare that she might be too far back, but I'm just counting on Tyler to get this horse in, in position and not be too far back from technical analysis. I've got two, four, five here. Uh, Pete, who do you like in this race? I have the two as well. I went I went sort of chalky, two, four, three, but my hope with the two was that maybe the five or the seven can show a little bit of speed and, and maybe knock the four off his game a little bit. But, you know, I think it's a pretty – I think it's probably between the two and the four. Paul? Team Chad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, technical analysis is going to be tough. I, I – now, they were they – were, well, we'll talk about the turf races uh, in a minute when we get to race nine, but – I noticed, I, I, of course, I'm a full-time teacher, Caleb. I was working today, but I did try to watch some replays of Pimlico. They were off the turf today, so hmm. I guess they got yeah. did they get uh, some rain out there. You guys got some rain, Pete, yesterday? Yeah, we got night? rain. Yeah, we got rain the la okay. last night. Yeah, but actually poured for a little bit, so it was probably just precautionary for to save it for Friday and Saturday, I imagine. Pete, we, I'm sorry, Caleb, you want to chime in? Yeah, real quick. I know you got the, the formulator pulled up, so go back to the two real quick and Crystal yeah. Cliffs and yeah. click on the Sire which yeah. I, I think the American public has kind of heard of Camford Cliffs, but roll down and go to the, the career record. Okay, <laughs> and look at the yeah. one two starts ago on June of 2011. Yeah. Beat Goldakova at Ascot. So that, that horse is me, no good, Caleb. She, she's no good. <laughs> so, uh, wait, so gold, nice wait. Wait, wait. Career resume. Golda who? <laughs> uh, by the way, Caleb, I had a show last year uh, right before the Derby of my top favorite 10 horses of all time. I think Goldzakova was, ooh, I'd have to go back three or four on my mm. list. Just the way her, her win at Santa Anita, the, uh, the first time she was at the Breeders' Cup, where she absolutely exploded up the inside. I'm sure you know the race I'm talking about. Gave me chills. That was the fastest turn of foot I think I've ever seen <laughs> by a horse. If go, Everyone should check out the Breeders' Cup mile. I don't know the year, but Goldzakova's first Breeders' Cup mile, where she absolutely exploded up the inside and just like that put like three lengths on the field Caleb what an awesome horse that was no doubt she had a distinct style too she had that amazing 
stride frequency, basically like a Winks, but she also ran with her neck very extended. And her brother Anadin had the exact same style. Anadin was second in the Breeders' Cup mile, but those yeah. horses, they showed you with their neck extension how much they wanted to compete. Oh, man. those I, I love watching. I think Goldico was the first. I mean, I've been handicapped for 35 years, but really we haven't been too familiar with European horses until the last 15 or 20 years through technology and better stats and what it gold uh, brought my attention to European horses in general. That was the one horse for me uh, that, that really uh, got me onto European horses. All right, guys, let's go to race eight. Again, this is the last race before the pick five. Uh, and then we'll jump, of course, deep dive into the pick five. Caleb, I'll have you go first. This is the dinner party stakes. It's a grade two. It's a mile and 16th. It used to be, I believe this is what used to be called the Dixie Stakes, which if I recall was a mile and eight. So they backed this up a little bit. Always a real nice field. This year, it's an okay field. I wouldn't say it's anything special, but there are some nice horses here. Field of seven, older males. Who do you like, Caleb? You know, Brad Cox going into the Maker's Mark week was on Steve Vick, and he pressed him for his one horse he liked the most, and he gave set piece. Now, he ran a disappointing seventh. He beat one horse. And part of me wants to take a tone out of that race. But at the same time, as confident as Brad was, that was a race where set piece was too fresh off the layoff. There was no speed in the race. He was he kept pulling Florent into the race earlier and earlier than they really wanted to go. So, yeah. you know, a tone beat set piece, but knowing how much Brad Cox loved the way he was training, I'll take his word for it with the three. Um, I am going 6-3. And the only reason I'm going with a tone, well, actually two reasons, Caleb, one is I'm sort of a fanboy of this horse. I think he's very underrated. I mean, he's for maker. He's won almost 300,000. People don't really talk about him that much. And he all he does is run well. And if you notice his odds, he usually runs well at big odds. The other mm-hmm. reason is the pace situation. Now, I'm sure, you know, I, I, I think Ira's going to be aggressive here, guys. I don't, you know, Ira's not necessarily known as a guy that's going to ascend. But there's just not a lot of speed in this race, Caleb. And I think, and I talked about this on my race day blog that I give to uh, viewers on Saturdays that I think the one way that a tone can win this race is just be aggressive on the lead and get the jump on set piece because set piece is a real nice closer. And I, you have to believe that although drew, you know, wants to be closer, as you said, set piece is really better just taking back and making a late run. The problem is the pace might not set up for him. Uh, Paul, I'll let you go next here. Do you have set piece? Do you have a tone or do you have someone else, Paul? I'm going to take a shot here with English B. Um, I kind of agree, Howard, with on the pace situation. Uh, yeah. I too think set piece is kind of a monster, but maybe a little pace dependent. Um, I don't, at least on paper, the race doesn't look that fast. And certainly a tone would be the one you would logically think would uh, take advantage of that. But I think what Sayas on this horse, uh, he's only ridden him twice before. Um, motion is, is everything's going right right now. I think there's a possibility he gets first jump and, and gets the lead and holds off the closes. Dave Barisa, thanks for your question. He wants to know, and Pete, I'll let you address this. He thinks possibly from the inside, Gaffleone might be aggressive on Tango, Tango, Tango. Pete, do you have a thought about that before you give your top pick? Yeah, and I, I think there's a chance. I just don't know. I mean, I don't know if she's as quick as – or he's as quick as a tone. so a tone probably could get the jump and clear. But I do think Tango, Tango, Tango has gone – has shown speed in the past. Now, again, it, she's, he's a funny horse because he bounces from, you know, little sprints. He goes long. He goes, he goes sort of middle distance. So he does a little bit of everything. So I kind of liked him, actually. But 
I think speed, but I don't know if he's going to like, he's not going to gun necessarily. I don't even know if he has to, because I don't think a tone's going to run away from him. Pete, if I can interrupt, I, I know Caleb is very aware of uh, of the form and formulator. I mean, Tango, 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 Dave only has a 76 early time form. Dave, if you're not familiar with time form, it's that it's the, if you, I will go full screen here. You see these numbers right above the last line. Um, so even though you see some ones, and Caleb, I know you talk about this on the show, especially for new players, people see ones, Caleb, and they think speed, you know, automatically, but mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily. It's it's very situational. Uh, Dave, this horse only has a 76 early time form. I don't think he's quick enough to go with English B and or a tone. Uh, Pete, who'd you like in this race? I had the four, Beacon Hill. This was one where I thought was improving a little bit last year and then came back this year. And I, and I sort of like when they come back and didn't beat it by much, but had her lifetime buyer top coming back. And actually, I, I thought that was one where if you if you watch the replay, was sort of altered a bit and then was bumped down the lane or probably would have won that race coming from, had a really rough trip. It was way, not rough, but it was early, but just was way too far back when normally this horse is pretty tactical. So I think this one could sit off and maybe get first run at a tone because I don't think a tone's going to get away too far. I don't think he has that kind of speed. So I think this one can get first run and hopefully from four to five has improved a little bit and with a better trip can sort of gobble him up because he was coming. He was coming at the end and he really got knocked off course twice in the lane. He did. He's and he's second off the layoff. This is the stuff up in class though, but he's interesting. I actually, I have him in the mix as a seahorse, uh, Pete. All right, gentlemen, let's go on to the pick five. This is where we're going to do a little more uh, deep diving. Again, Caleb, whenever you, you know, uh, you have to leave the show, of course, we'll all understand. Uh, the pick five, and I'm going to go ahead and you're going to see also a scroll now, Caleb, on the bottom of the screen of all four of our picks so you can sort of compare and people at home can see where we're going in this race as well. Race nine is the Chick Lang Stakes. This is the start, ladies and gentlemen, of the – all stakes pick five. It starts approximately 3.31 Eastern Standard Time. This is a grade three. This is uh, specifically for three-year-old males going six furlongs. You see the field here. Kale, uh, i have you go first. But the first thing I want to say, as we bring up the PPs, I thought there was a lot of early speed in this race. Sometimes it doesn't work out. We've seen this before where there's four or five early speed horses, right, Caleb? And the pace for some, they all see that and then they all start taking back. I think that's a little bit your thought here with your very fascinating top choice, 15 to one morning line. You like Dr. Jeff. Well, I mean, the pace with the one and five alone is, is potentially warp speed. And when I start with Cogburn, in my mind, Cogburn maybe looks a little bit better on the form than on the racetrack because the last race, field of six, got an easy lead, three to five. Aspison and Santana were winning all the sprint races down there, and they still got beat by the Arkansas bread. So it's hard for me to come back with the one with the five on board. The five also is a rocket. But with Old Homestead, look, he got a pretty easy opening quarter and half there at Keeneland. I think they readjusted the time. On the film, I thought it was more like high 22s, and it, they were almost like – considering letting somebody else take the lead and then they took yeah. over and then they went for home. So the one and five, it's not always as easy as the two speed horses cancel each other out, but I think they're going to be going really fast with Paco in the nine right off of them. And what I see in the three is Dr. Jeff first time out. I know it was an off the turf event, but they bet the horse hard and just absolutely cruised around there. looked like a real horse. Then, yes, the Saratoga special didn't go well, but was the seven to five favorite. They don't bet Rudy in these graded stakes races. No. Powered through a 44 half. I'm crossing out the two turn turf race. 
And last time they were up six in a stakes. And I just feel like the the minute and one, the 49 and two bullet, Rudy could have found any place to go to at Belmont, but instead he gets Luis Sias to sit behind the supersonic pace. I think three's got some real talent. So, Cave, you see Dr. Jeff just sitting in the pocket right off the one and the five. Is that what you envision here? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Caleb, Caleb I, 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 Paul, just one second. I, I think it's important to talk about things for the viewers because, uh, Caleb, I'm a contest player as well, and I try to find these kind of sneaky horses. I think you hit something – you nailed something on the head that I just want to emphasize. Intent is very important. I mean, Rudy could send this horse anywhere, right? I mean, and he's sending him on the biggest stage of the weekend in a tough – uh, you know, and a tough stake on the dirt, and he's been working well. KB, you got something going there. I'm using him as a C, but he does have to get faster, doesn't he? I would say so, but at the same time, how fast is the pace going to be? I mean, does the one and five hold up? I just – I had enough reasons to be skeptical that in handicapping, we're picking why we want to play the horse, but almost more importantly, we're picking out why we don't want to play the other horses. And I feel like I got a whole long list of reasons I don't want to play these horses at the price. And the three was the one at the price that had the upside that was left standing. Interesting. And Caleb, talk a little about the seven. This is the Arkansas bread. Um, I'll go ahead and show that last replay and, and I'll go full screen so you can talk over it when Whelan uh, Springs uh, beat Coburn. This is a real nice Arky bread who gets a nice uh, outside post for this, for this spot here. Well, well, it's the best Arkansas bread since Man in the Can a couple years ago uh, when Ron Moquette brought that Arkansas bread up. He was a real horse. He won an open allowance at Churchill. He was like five to two in the bluegrass against Art Collector. But bottom line is, like, do you guys disagree? Like, how could you take Cogburn when he got this easy of a lead? He got tagged by a seven to one shot on the money. And now Cogburn has to deal with more speed. I just I have a tough yeah. time taking the rail horse. And I kind of have a tough time taking Wayland Springs. He loves Oakland. He was born in Arkansas. He trains in Arkansas, and he was peaking in Arkansas. So now he's got to pick up his hoofs and come up to a new state after a huge race. I mean, this was a heck of an effort, but in my mind, it's maybe tough to take either of them out of the race. Yeah, and, and I, I, I'm assuming people know that was Coburn there on the inside. Um, Pete, I'm going to let you go next, but I just want to say I completely agree with you, Caleb, 100%. I have Coburn as a C. I don't like him at all, and this 5-2 and two odds – um, I, I had some issues with some of the morning lines at the Derby that I know that, or that Pete and Paul don't want to hear me talk about, but this five to two seems crazy low to me as a morning line. Uh, Pete, who do you like in this spot? Yeah, with my man, Dean G in the comments, I'm on the nine little Vic. So the way I looked at this one was if, if you, if you take away those two route races and practical joke is terrible, like 4% dirt routing. If you take away those two route races completely from the page, now you see a horse who, you know, 67, 87, comes back with a 91 buyer, you know, didn't didn't necessarily beat much, but I'm not necessarily looking for that. I just want to look for some improvement. Has Paco, so I assume could work out a good trip. Hopefully doesn't doesn't sort of gun to the lead, but I think those others are faster, so I don't think that'll happen. And I just think that because being outside maybe can get the first jump and then is showing improvement, and if it takes another step forward, I mean, it's got a little ways to go, but I think if it takes that other logical step forward from two to three, second off the layoff, or, you know, second off a short layoff, then I think this one has a shot, and I think the odds are six to one because the the form's a little muddy just from those uh, those two route races. 
And uh, Kale, I don't know if you feel this way. I, I much prefer outside speed as opposed to inside speed in a, in a, a dirt sprint, especially in a smaller field. Uh, do you agree with that, Caleb, or you just prefer like a rail horse if you have a speed horse you like mm. in a small uh, dirt field going six? I mean, I would somewhat agree, but I would disagree on this weekend because hasn't the rail been lightning at Pimlico? The, you know, War of Will comes to fence and Mighty Mischief on the lead. And, you know, I feel like every time we come out of the Preakness, all the trip handicappers that know the track are talking about how the rail was so great. I mean, oh, okay. I, I would to some degree, I think that you – that I would agree on a daily basis, but Pimlico specifically, that rail is always so good. Yeah, it, it might be. Uh, Paul, who do you have? You, Paul, you've got the five. So, Paul, you're going five one. You respectfully disagree with Caleb and the pace situation. You're going with Old Homestead. Well, I, I, I certainly agree with the thinking because I, I looked at that Arkansas race and and I kind of came away with the same thought that. I thought the fig came back really high. I don't know if it's artificially high or not. Um, you know, as Caleb says, the the one was the Cogburn was three to five, wasn't asked to run at all till inside the eighth pole, and and he got picked by picked up. Uh, Wheeland Springs was not exactly running in a straight line, uh, you know. But uh, so I of course land on the favorite. He lands on the fifteen to one. So you know who's smart in this. <laughs> conversation. Caleb, you know what I found interesting about Dr. Jeff is if you look at the horse's pedigree, there's not a lot of turf pedigree there, yet they've run him on turf twice, and, and he's actually run pretty well, but I, I kind of think he's better off on dirt. Um, you know, the, the PPs be damned. I mean, that's Saratoga special. That was obviously a very good field, but it, it's just interesting the way that they've campaigned this horse, I think, in, in lieu of his pedigree. Well, I think from Rudy Rod's perspective, out here in California, we see it all the time. They were saying, well, why did they start Rocky World on the grass? Well, because they want to stay away from the Bafferts and the Maiden Specialweights. And in New York, I think, well, if we can stay away from Pletcher and, and those Maiden Specialweights with all those expensive horses, I think sometimes they, they find a different surface because they're trying to get away from the Tigers of Baffert and Pletcher. Uh, guys, yeah, gonna... it, it, you go to the turf in New York, Caleb, you got to deal with Mr. Brown it's, True. It's, it's, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> guys, I got it very quickly and then we're going to move on. I have to talk about a horse here because I have a horse that I actually love. And I think uh, this horse chasing time, who I have in second, by the way, and I'm playing in a, I'm playing a live money contest uh, Saturday. Uh, so I just want to let everyone know that when you see me at the bottom of the leaderboard, you'll know that's me. Um, I, this horse fascinates me. Now, I know he's slow on paper, guys. But in my opinion, this thing could completely melt down. I just think there's a lot of speed in this race. I do not trust uh, a lot of horses. And I'm looking for a fresh face. And I love turnbacks, Caleb. And I really like this horse turning back. I've never thought this horse wanted to go long. Um, I thought his better races are sprints. They tried to stretch him out. It didn't work. He's been working really slow. Which, you know, Asperson's not a guy that has bullet works. But my feeling is that Gaffleone's just going to let, you know, everyone go, take back. I think he's going to make a big run. And I think he's going to outrun his odds, guys. I'm not saying chasing time is, you know, is going to win. But I find him fascinating as possibly the best closer in a race that might fall apart. Caleb, any thoughts on chasing time at all? Well, if you love not this time, you got to pay a premium. You got to take Epicenter at four to five. You got to take simplification being bet down, but this is going to be your chance to get this new hot sire at the price with the setup on the card. 
Yeah, I just I just think he's interesting, guys. Um, hey, Howard, I, I have him. I actually have him on my A line as well. I, I oh, like this horse. Okay. The only thing I'm I'm concerned about is I feel like six may be a bit too short. I think this is more of a seven furlong miler type, but I'm hoping because of the potential for a pace meltdown because there is so much speed that maybe maybe he could just run by him. But I'm gonna I'm gonna use him on the top line just for the yeah. just for the sake of the price, if nothing else. When we'll go to the next race, the problem he's owned by my racehorse. Okay, hey, I have know, a, he's good. I have oh, a no, my racehorse shirt on, by the way. Too. Yeah, that, I have a my racehorse yeah. shirt on. So that, that that'll be that'll be four to five at some point. <laughs> yeah, that my racehorse money is going to lower my price, but I don't think it's going to affect my like trifecta that I'll be playing. I'm going to keep him underneath guys in second and third in my tries. I think that's a uh, for me. I think that's a good play in that race, in my opinion. All right, let's go on to race ten, guys. Uh, race ten is the next race in the pick five sequence. This is the James W. Murphy Stakes. This is a one mile on the turf, restricted for a three-year-old. So this is basically the similar race we just talked about, but this time it's on the turf. You see the field there. I was a little surprised, Caleb, when I handicapped. I handicapped without the morning lights, and I thought I might get a little price on ready to perform. Obviously not. Uh, he is the favorite, but you are and you are going with that horse for uh, Cox and Drew. You know, I've had this conversation about if there's two favorites in the race, do you have to pick them? Like, is it a bad move over time to take two favorites? I'm going to take the boring approach with the five and seven here. I think that they're a class above. I'd like somebody to convince me to get another one on the ticket because right now I've got a really boring five and seven going right here, just too deep to skate on. I feel like the five's got the best of the late kick and the turf class, and the seven has the best of the recency with the early speed. So those two just looked a cut, a cut above here on the grass to me. Uh, Pete, you've got the 10, who I have in second. Uh, you've got Joe, who won the uh, Frederico Tessio and could have gone to the Preakness, but de- decides to go here instead. What do you like about Joe, Pete? Yeah, for this another Papa Visco special, too. My brother's name is Joe, so, my, so there'll, be some, <laughs> there'll be some dead money on this from my dad, of course. So um, I, I, I sort of like – I just think that this one – it's been excellent. I mean, on the with the dirt, the dirt, the sorry, the dirt form has been excellent in 2022. So, and the buyers are just steadily improving. Not like humongous jumps, six, seven, eight point jumps. And this one, if you look at the breeding, it looks like the turf should be fine for this horse. So I just feel like totally agree. Yeah. So I just feel like I think this one. Uh, again, I wish it wasn't three to one, but I think this one maybe. Hopefully, people see no turf. Maybe they let that number float up a little bit because they bet the five, and then maybe we get a better price on this. But I think this one is. I think this one's made for, for to probably go on both surfaces, and you don't see that that often. So hey, I was going to take a shot there. Side of he's a half uh, irony of reality. You can see on the screen there who had plenty of races, you know, on the turf that were successful. So um, I, I sort of agree with you. I'm going to go ahead and and move along, let Paul talk. But I, I thought this horse had enough turf breeding to maybe upset uh, the, the top two in here. Paul, you're go also going with the seven. Is there anything you want to add, Paul, with a ride house that Kayla mentioned? Yeah, I just – I no, I think the – you know, again, it, it, he is – well, four to one morning line. I'd love to get four to one. I don't think we will. But uh, I, I think he's in form. I think Danny Garden spots them pretty well. Coming off a bullet workout at the Oklahoma on the dirt uh, uh, the day after the Derby, forty-eight and one on four uh, for four furlongs at the Oklahoma, which is usually uh, a little slower. I do agree on the breeding on Joe uh, and and Mike Trombetta, of course, is talk about spotting your horses. Uh, you know this horse is dangerous. He is probably going to get bet uh, between the form online, even though it's it's not a turf form. But you know people in 
uh, Maryland are going to bet Trombetta. However, I will say going dirt to turf and stakes races, Trombetta is three for 23 with a 93 cent ROI. So uh, value wise, uh, that, that may not be the play, but I, I like the seven a lot in this race, actually. Caleb is the uh, expert TV analyst on the show. I got to ask you this question on the 10. And if you have insight, that'd be great. I'm assuming you don't. But if you do have like inside info, I'd be curious to know, do you think Trombetta is putting him on the turf because he can't be competitive in the Preakness or the, the fact that he just actually thinks the horse can run on turf and this is just, uh, you know, a, a better spot? I think that he has to really be wanting the grass because if he didn't want the Preakness, then he could just go to the Sir Barton, which is coming up next, right? The kind of the undercard three-year-old race. So, you know, the first, I don't want to look too much into the first turf race. He still made up five lengths late. He he was eight lengths down and he got beat three lengths. But I think deep down, he he really believes that this is a grass type to pass up two, not one, but two good dirt opportunities on this very card. Yeah, I sort of agree. I don't think the post, by the way, is going to do him any favors, but, uh, uh, we'll have to see uh, how the, the race develops. Let's go on to race 11, guys. Uh, race 11 is, the, of course, the third leg of uh, the pick five. This is the Sir Barton that uh, Caleb just mentioned. It's for three-year-olds that aren't quite good enough to be in the Preakness. They're going a mile 16th. This is always a fun race, Caleb. I enjoy this race every year because you have a nice mix of horses that are coming you know, maybe out of uh, the Derby or maybe other races, there's a little bit of cut below with some fresh faces. And there are, there is one fresh face, uh, B Doc, who I remember very well, Caleb, I want to bring us on screen because I was at Keelan that that was the day uh, where I had my appearance at Keelan. And I know, I believe, correct if I'm wrong, you were honored um, just before that race. I think, I don't think you covered that race uh, for, for TVG because after that horse won, I saw Gabby and Scott Hazelton look at each other and they looked at me like, where the blank did this effort come from with the 92 buyer? Uh, Caleb, but you're going with B-Doc to maybe he's just figured it out. Real nice horse for Doug O'Neill. Yeah, I think that the, the speed that he had, they had a reason to get on the plane to, to get out to Keeneland. And the way the horse took off, you know, these Gormleys are fast. And, you know, the race two back, he got caught in behind a tidal wave of a horse that won by 10. The second to McLaren Vale, I think, is a quality running line. But, you know, this is a race where Tyler Gaffleone, when he gets close to the lead, he's really strong. And I also found this stat. Gaffleone does not get bet like your Irads and your Jose's and your Pratt's. There was a time at Keeneland where there was nine mounts for Gaffleone where he was three to one or under. Nine consecutive mounts. He won eight of those nine at odds of three to one or under. So when he's wow. close to the lead. And when he's three to one or under, he's very tough to deal with. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm just trying to figure out my, uh, this is race uh, 11, right? I'm sorry, the wrong ticker up there. Uh, my bad. Uh, Caleb, do I have the right numbers for you? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe I have the wrong scroll. Up. No, this was, look, this was the race that I, I was the most indecisive about. This was, a, I kept on going back and forth uh, in the race. But ultimately, uh, Ethereal Road, I think that okay. they have well spotted for this one. He made the move for fourth. Maybe I was a little disappointed he didn't get second or third. But the more I close my eyes and, and see how this race is going to evolve, I just think that the one's going to catch the breather, going to ride that good rail. And, you know, this I'm open to, to discussion on this one for anybody else who's got a, a strong yeah. angle because this was the race to Sir Barton that I had the least amount of conviction. Um, Caleb, you there's a question <laughs> by Dean at the bottom. I, I suppose I'll let you address this, Caleb, because you just talked about – you know, possibly speed on the inside. Now, I have not 
Have you watched the races uh, yesterday or today? Uh, do you know how the tracks play in Caleb or anyone for that matter on the panel? Not just. I think that it's more of an inside track than a speed track. I think that it's good for front runners. But again, I go back right. to War of Will. You know, War of Will rode the inside and he got the win. But you remember that bomb for Dale Roman? So I can't even. It was like the five horse came out of nowhere with Rosario. That horse also rolled the golden inside, but came from way out of it. So Is that, that commanding from- curves. No, that was that no, was that was, the, that was the went, Derby. Who was this one? I went too yeah. deep and, and all right. So uh, someone, someone look up off. who finished second. It was it second, Caleb? Right? Yes. Wait, so so we have great people listen. We got a lot of people watching on YouTube and Twitter. We need everyone because we don't want to look it up right. Who finished second to War Will in the Preakness? Go ahead, Caleb. I'll let you finish. But but the point I'm trying to make is one was close to the lead, one was way off of it, but they both rode the inside. So on this yeah. weekend specifically, it's not about the speed; it's about the inside positioning. You can ride the inside. It, coming from way off the pace. Okay. Uh, Caleb, I apologize. I had the wrong banner up there for a while. That's why I had you talk about uh, B-Doc, but uh, he surprised a lot. I think it was, what, 19 to 1 or whatever he was. Uh, yeah, or actually, uh, oh, he was only 8 to 1, but he ran a 92, just ran off the screen uh, at, at Keeneland there on, on that Sunday. You've got the 8 and 2nd, Caleb, uh, Uniki. Um, I'm personally a bit concerned about the distance, but he is awfully good right now. And again, the intent with Pompeii has to be taken into consideration. Well, a couple of things here. You're getting IRAD. I think they showed that it wasn't just a slop race. The, the race two back to thinking, did that horse just love the slop? Turns out, no, the horse is getting better. And condemn for Tommy Drury. That looks like a real horse moving forward. So, yes, Uniki got beat late, but condemn had one of the better closing kicks look at the race he was coming off at the fairgrounds he really rolled up at the fairgrounds 10 links off the pace and he showed that his closing kick right now condemned is very strong hey caleb i don't know if you if you watched the replay recently i happened to watch it this afternoon but the uniki was kind of green too i thought actually he would have went by if he was a little bit more professional and stayed a little straighter i thought he had a shot to go by so i think if if he can, you know, it's tough next, next start out still sort of young, but if he can, if he can just get himself together, I think he's got a, I think he's got a good shot as well. Now, he impressed me in this race. Cause I wasn't playing him this day at two to one. I thought that, you know, I was taking the slop into consideration and the goal stream and the shorter distance. So he, he certainly outran my expectations and kind of what you're talking about right here. He looks like he's got the race one, but condemned as he moves off the rail, you're thinking, man, condemned still coming at me. And I think late he tried one more chance, but I don't even think the horse and rider could believe how good the real horse was coming up the inside. Yeah. I've got a great, I, I have to tell this 30 second story guys. This is an absolute true story. Caleb, uh, when I was there that weekend for my TVG appearance and some other things, we went to Claiborne. I actually had Walker Hancock on this podcast uh, a, a few days before I went there and I talked to him on, on, on Sunday and I said, you know, what do you think about condemn? Uh, and he, I, <laughs> God's honest truth. He's like, I think, you know, I think this horse is really a turf sprinter, but the trainer wants to keep, you know, keep him on dirt and try one more time. Walker Hancock, who I love, by the way, and does a fantastic job at Claiborne, was actually surprised that Condemn won um, and, and was very happy about it. But it was sort of funny that he wasn't really touting his own horse that day. And then Condemn just flew up the rail with uh, Johnny V and won the race. Uh, Pete, you've got the six here. You've got Mr. Uh, Jefferson. I have Mr. Jefferson also, Pete. And Paul, we all have uh, Mr. Jefferson. So, uh, Pete, quickly, what do you like about this horse? Well, I thought, the if again, this is one of those with the muddy form. So if you look at the first two races of 2022, 
the the mud and the slop and they look god awful. So you're like, I mean, it, it's pretty good company, but you're like, God, this horse is terrible. Gives him a little time off, gets him back on a fast track. And the Tessio runs a real nice race, pops an 87 buyer, which is sort of the, the logical progression you would have expected from two to three, which he's he didn't the six get. Ho- he's the sixth horse, by the way. He doesn't get off to yes. a great start. I just want to mention that. You see right there, he got off to sort of a slow start. Bump. Yeah. He's a very long stride. Look at he's still. Look I mean, at he's this. all over the place. Yeah. He's a very and, long striding horse, right, Pete? And then when he got his act together late here, um, I'll just let it roll. I thought this was impressive in between horses uh, taking dirt and just losing to Joe. And also, there was almost no pace in that race. I mean, look, they're going to the half and 49. I think it might, you know, there, there wasn't a ton of pace up front. So it's not like he was closing into some super hot pace that made it made the race look overinflated. And I think there is potential for some pace in here. Again, these time form figures, we don't see a lot of. There's four horses in here with 100 plus early pace figures, which it seems like we don't see that as much anymore. So hopefully if that comes to fruition, I think this one can get rolling late. And hopefully, again, you get the price because the form is a little dirty from those those two bad off the turf, off, off the turf, off track races. So I think um, I think we could get a shot to hold this price as well. By the way, right there, how does he not go by? That's my only concern, uh, guys. Is so, I mean, you, uh, Joe is a nice horse on the wrong lead and still fights back. I just think I just think this horse is goofy, Paul, and it's just learning how to run. That that was my take. Paul, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I, I thought uh, I I didn't have a strong conviction, although ironically, and we have to start disagreeing with each other. Uh, I, I thought Caleb, the one conviction I had was that the one was going to be overbet <laughs> in this race. Uh, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. I just think with Saez and Lucas, and it's two weeks after they won the Oaks from the rail, uh, he, he could certainly win. Uh, I I love New York breads, but I don't think Unoho is all that great. He got beat by him in the Rebel. You know, obviously he was way over his head in the bluegrass. Um, I, I'm going to let him beat me, and uh, if he does, Caleb, I'll be happy to know that you beat me as well. But uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was someone on the outside, and and. I watched that race like like you guys did, and uh, I do think Joe is is pretty good. And uh, of the outside horses, I was between six, eight, and nine. I, I landed on the six on top. Paul, I can feel that Caleb wants to retort. Please go ahead, pick <laughs> out Caleb. No, I was just saying. I think I finally uh, got that second place finish. I believe it was Everfast. Everfast, like, yeah. And then bombed everybody go. out of the trifecta that day behind War of Will. Has Everfast won yet since then? All that no. horse on second, I, you know second, what? second, third, second, third, I, second, second, third. I think, I think Jack Sisterson um, might have taken over the reins there. But uh, no, Rosario, yeah. huge number, and that, that, was a, that was a nice price to have in second. Caleb, are you good for about another 15 minutes? I don't want to put you, I don't mm-hmm. want to, you, know, put you in a yeah. bad spot. But, we got to right. finish the big ones. All right, I appreciate it. Let, let, let's move on, guys. This is a race that, uh, Paul, I agree, is, is absolutely impossible. I'm not going to – let's just go right to the PPs here, guys. This is the uh, turf sprint. It's 100,000, five furlongs. It's a big field. Let me go ahead and switch. Uh, I don't have a producer, by the way, Caleb. I do it all in the background. And unlike the wonderful people at TVG, I sort of do it all on my own here. So you got to bear with me with switching some stuff around. Uh, Caleb, I love, love your selection in this race. I've got him second. This is one of my price plays of the day. We have to show this replay, but I want to steal your thunder. Uh, what do you like about Mr. Hustle? Well, kind of like what Pete was talking about with the sixth in the last race. I feel like Mr. Hustle's got all these scratch-off races, right? I'm taking out the dirt race two back. I'm taking out the two-turn race three back. And when we focus on the race there at Keeneland, 
you know, you could see this horse is ready to make a serious move. And we know that Maker claims horses and goes for distance. This is one of the rare ones where he claims and finally realizes I'm going to be the one to get this horse to go to the sprint. So it's going to be a horse coming from Sorry. pretty good off the pace here in this line. It's going to be the yeah. one He's in this the, race. Yeah. Now, Seven Cents ran a great one, the eight, the gray, who's also in this race. But the eight got a perfect trip, whereas – you kind of have to use your imagination, but when you see the one get this daylight here in the stretch, right when they peel out outside the nine, you're thinking, uh-oh, we're making a serious bid. But the horse comes over the outside, then we're going to get wedged. Right Keep there. in mind the gray's still getting a perfect trip. And after re-rallying, it's only going to be uh, less than two links with all that trouble and the eight having the perfect go. Now I'll just let it run. You see the one is coming on. Um, and, and Caleb, I agree with everything you said. My only concern and uh, I don't see if we see the gallop out. I like to look at the gallop out a little bit once in a while. I don't see the one. Okay. And they cut it off a little bit early. Uh, my concern, though, is the distance, Caleb. I mean, this is shorter now, and I think five and a half might be better. Any concern with the turn back from five and a half to five for Mr. Hustle? Well, I, I'm hoping that they're going to be revving the engines a little bit. Go back to the past performances here for the five. Here's a yep, concern, and this is this is normally a play against for me. You see the, you see the two donuts in the win column last two yep. years. But if you focus in a little bit more, scroll down to the bottom of the lifetime PPs, Mr. Hustle knows how to win. If you go to the uh, show all lines at the bottom bottom left oh, of, I'm the, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the page, you'll see yeah. that when Mr. Hustle started racing, he immediately knew how to win. And he was like a win machine to start his career. So I, I like the fact that early on in his career, he knew how to win. He had plenty of victories there. And I just think that with Irad laying in behind and getting clear sailing, Yes, it's a short distance, but the shorter they go, the faster they want to go early. So maybe yeah. just going five, the speed oh, horses really go for broke up front. I had the wrong boy, Kale. I'm, I'm so sorry. There you go. I was like, I don't see the ones. There you go, Kale. I apologize. There's, mm -hmm. there's what he's and he and he and he did it going five in his in his debut. So you would think the distance, you know, won't be an issue. Plus, uh, 46 bullet uh, at the at the training center. I mean, I, they know they can't be too far back and. Uh, you know, I, I like everything about this five. I like Ortiz. Uh, I think you make a great point. I'm fascinated with this horse. Caleb, are we going to get the 10 to 1 morning line, you think? I think 7 to 1 is probably a little bit more in the ballpark. There's other good contenders in this race that deserve a lot of money. Okay. Um, let, let's just go quickly, guys, because, uh, again, I don't, I don't want to keep Caleb on too long. Uh, Pete, real quickly, talk about the six you like here, Smoking Jay, who is coming out of a – a top five furlong race on New, Year, New Year's Eve day against Karatari, who is the two in this race. Yeah, and I, I thought if you if you watch that race, she actually sort of got shuffled back and was and was coming late, but Karatari had already sort of opened up in the lane, so wasn't really getting to that one. Plus, I have a back in. If you look at the form back there, I think back in June last year had a real nice hit. My my cousin knows someone associated with this horse, I think. So he had this given it to us. Right and, yeah, so I think if you about. if you sort of watch him, oh, sorry, froze up on me. That's all right. It's the one he sort of, he sort yeah, of that's all right. we're, we're shuffled back and is diving yeah. through. But I think, I think what Caleb said exactly is this is one where I'm hoping they just decide to go real fast up front. And this is one that can close, especially at this, I think at this distance, he sort of likes the five furlong. And I think if he can get his closing kick going and he picks up, you know, he picks up Jose, he's had, he's had sort of jockey roulette throughout his time and, and this is one where I think if he can just get rolling and hopefully again, they do, they do get a little hot up front. I think he's going to be rolling late. And I see, I, I think our man, Kyle Roscoe in there is with me on, on smoking Jay a bit. 
Oh yeah, we've got some. Sorry, there are a lot of comments there. I appreciate all uh, the <laughs> the comments there, Kyle. I see your comment. Uh, real quick, uh, Paul, who do you like here? I went with the three seven cents. I I think this race is really going to come down to the trip, and I went with him because I think he's tactical. I don't think he's going to be in the lead. I don't think he's going to be way behind. This is a full field of ten, uh, or almost a full field going five. Uh, potential, always potential for trouble. Um, I think he may get, has the possibility to get the best trip. Um, you know, four to one morning line, he's kind of right in the middle there. But again, as I said at the beginning of the show, uh, I think right before Caleb came on, I, I think this is the most difficult race in the sequence by far. I've got like six or seven horses. I have the three on top also, mainly because of what you said, but I love the five, depending on the uh, prices I get of these horses. I can easily use the five ahead of the three. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put us all on screen here. It's time to talk about the Preakness, uh, the second leg of the Triple Crown. It's a fascinating Preakness. It's not the strongest field, but you do have, I think, the, the horse that we would all consider the, the best three-year-old in this crop epicenter. And then, of course, the coaches bring in Secret Oath, who won uh, the Oaks, which is fascinating. And there's some also interesting new shooters. Let me go ahead and, and switch the banners here, and everyone will see each other's uh, picks. A lot of people are probably going with Epicenter and or early voting, and that's why we have great guys on like Caleb Keller tell us, oh, no, 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 no. Forget that. The girl, the girl power here is going to steal the show. Caleb likes number four, Secret Oath, for the coach. Caleb, convince everyone why another female is going to win after Rachel Alexandra on Saturday. Well, you know, I had a chance to cover the Smarty Jones at Oaklawn back on January 1st. And the day before was on New Year's Eve, and it was this allowance. Look how loaded that allowance was on December 31st. Materea wins the eight bells. Secret Oath, obviously, that was her coming out party. But even uh, Hypersport in there had, uh, had a 90-something buyer. But when Secret Oath won that day, I, I just couldn't believe the extension in her stride. And I I've said it before, she has the longest legs I've seen, like on a horse. And she looks like if Arrogate was going to have a freaky top contender, like this was the horse. And, okay, I want you to go into the turn here. So this is about the point. Right here, Contreras pulls the goggles down. We're watching this at the apron and thinking, she's going to run over these rivals if they do not get out of the way. And yeah. look at the quality of Materea. She owned the field in the eight bells, and she won the Beaumont. So this is a graded stakes horse that she's going to loop around. Look at these strides and the leg extension here. I mean, this was the move where you're thinking, this is a really serious racehorse. And yeah. her moves around the turn. Abel Tasman is another Oaks winner that I think is comparable to Secret Oath. And the fact that Abel Tasman would make these huge moves down the backside. Secret Oath makes her huge moves in the turn. And this is a race where with the hot pace, there's three or four big speed horses signed on. You get Luis Saez and five pounds and save ground along the inside with the horse with that type of stride. Scary knowing the horse isn't even going to be the favorite. There's one aspect that we haven't really talked about, and I think we have to address it right now. Um, and then Caleb, we'll, we'll talk about a few other horses and let you go. Uh, the weather, it's going to be in the mid nineties. It's going to be very hot. Um, I don't have Intel, you know, on what horses may handle the heat or not, but Caleb, in my opinion, and, and you'll see why here in a moment with my top choice, do you think it's a there's a possibility that these horses coming off the short two week layoff are really going to be hurt uh, by the heat, just with respect that there might not be you know at full tilt as they were two weeks ago? 
I think you have you, you have to play it the day of. You know, you look at him in the paddock. You look at him on the post parade. Who's got the kidney sweat going? Who's got the, the noticeable sweat? So it's something that, in my mind, you can't uh, really predict. I will say in terms of the weather, if you look at the history of second-place finishers in the Derby, they have a very poor record over time in the Derby. Now, a recent one was Exaggerator, but it rained that day, and we know Exaggerator loved the rain. So it moved his circumstances up. But over the history, and look, Epicenter, seeing him in person, I was so impressed with his muscular tone, the way that he looks, coming from that not-this-time pedigree. It also, he had a very nice, self-assured nature about himself. But, again, it can be heartbreaking losing a race like that at the wire. And that's why so many runner-ups in the Derby over the years have not fired back their best in the Preakness. Hey, hey, Caleb, one thing on what you just said about Epicenter. I was listening to Naomi Tucker on a podcast today, and she was talking about seeing Epicenter this week and said he looks fantastic, just looks like he's full of confidence. I mean, I don't know how to tell sometimes when a horse is full of confidence, but just looks fantastic. Body looks great. Looks like he didn't even run two weeks ago. So I, I just sort of took that as a as a good sign if you're a, if you're a backer of Epicenter. So, I, I mean, again, maybe the heat will take some of the starch out of that, but I feel like this is one that just, if he's just running well and looking good and feeling good and Asmussen's bringing him back just because I think he want, he knows this horse is ready to fire another big one. I think he had, he, had the right, he had the right amount of focus too because a horse like Taba, Taba was too lackadaisical. Taba's like, he's just going with the wind. He's really calm and he's a gun runner. But when they started playing my old Kentucky home, that calm nature started to boil up as he anticipated competition. Taba had a horrible post parade. So did Cyberknife. Cyberknife was one you could tell in the paddock that he was too high strung. Epicenter was the perfect mix of both. He was relaxed, but very focused. And he was very on cue with anything they asked him to do. So Epicenter truly was an A-plus impression in the paddock the whole week of the Derby. Hey, that might come from actually racing your horse every once in a while. Maybe you get a little more professional. <laughs> what, a, what, a what a surprising thing that might be. <laughs> Hey, Kale, let's talk about the pace of this race. Now, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to save my top you know, pick, which is early voting for a minute here. Obviously, early voting's got speed. There's very little speed to the inside of early voting. I think most of us would agree, unless simplification sends, that early voting could get the lead if he wants. But you also have Armagnac coming for Yachtin and then Epicenter. So, Kale, how do you see the race, the flow developing here? Believe it or not, I think we have to start with Fenwick. Okay, roll up to this hopeless 50-to-1 shot on the wow. line. And, okay. and the number one question is, why are we even here? Well, <laughs> if you look at the bluegrass, obviously it was a poor effort, but their excuse was we got cut off going into the first turn. Like, if you roll, if you roll that tape on Fenwick here, just at least to the first turn, the you're going to see, yes, we're going to see, you know, why they even are in this race. So sure. there, there was a little trouble. Obviously, nobody's buying Fenwick as, as a win candidate or, or even a scary threat. Everyone. Sorry, he's the new as they, as they come out of the gate, okay, they're pressing a little bit. Some outside horses did get a little jump, and now they're still thinking, okay, well, all right, we'll make the lead. We'll make the lead. We'll sneak up here. And then uh, right no. when the five <laughs> comes across. And that, yeah. that's their excuse. So if you're going to be in this race off that excuse, that tells me you're wanting to push really hard to the front with Florent Giroux, who they employed. So I see the three popping out. I see early voting popping out. I see Armagnac with the California speed, and I see Epicenter, who won five races in a row, gate to wire. So, no, we can't match the supersonic pace of the Derby, which you could rate like a 99 of 100. I still think this pace could be like rated in the 90s. I see four horses really intent to go forward. That's fascinating. Um, 
Pete, I'm going to let you, you. You've got epicenter, Paul. You've got epicenter. Um, uh, no, I have early I'm voting. I'm sorry, Paul. Paul, let's you and I real quick. Let, let, let's let's talk about early voting because we both have them on top. Uh, I'll let you talk first. Why do you like early voting uh, in the Preakness here, Paul? Well, I guess I like them to sit up. After listening to Caleb very astutely describe how this pace could uh, develop, that's not good news for early voting. But, I, I, you know, Chad Brown did say that uh, this they actually prefer this horse or wouldn't mind this horse to have a target. Um, you know, it's it's become cliche, but, you know, this is the cloud computing thing all over again. They didn't, they didn't go the derby. They know they would have got cooked in the derby. I thought his Wood Memorial was pretty good, although I, I – I, I didn't really like Mo Donegal's Derby, to be honest with you. I, I do think this horse does have a chance, if not to go the lead, unless he gets caught. If he gets caught up in a four-way pace duel that Caleb just described, which you know I could see because he's right. You don't put Fenwick in this race unless you're going to send him. It doesn't make sense to put him in to, to have him sit. Um, but uh, I, I do think this horse is well-intended. Um, he's lightly raced. And if I could talk about Epicenter, and, you know, we always want to beat the favorite, and, and this could be really reaching, but, you know, there's no layoff lines. Pete, you brought it up, which it's an anomaly nowadays to see a horse run for almost a year with no layoff lines. You know, was it always Asperson's plan to come to the Preakness if they lost the Derby? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I think Steve Asperson probably justifiably thinks Something was taken from him in the Derby. I think he thinks he has the best three-year-old, and he's looking for the first possible opportunity to to let people know that he has the best three-year-old. And you know, maybe maybe he does. But if if I'm looking to try to beat him, and, and I'll be obviously he's an A for me. If I'm looking to try to beat him, I'm I'm kind of going with that philosophy that maybe he could be a little over the top. Maybe it wasn't the plan all along, unless they won the Derby. And Ashley's is just kind of pissed off. He got beat by a 80 to one shot like the rest of us are. So that's my theory there. Caleb, what's your opinion on early voting? I know you already talked about the pace, but it, can he sit off in your opinion? And if he can't, is he a good enough to, you know, wire the field taking some pace pressure? Uh, click on the dam here for early voting. If yep. you look at the Tis now dam, okay. And if you look too deep, go to the family tree. Yep. So, I mean, the family tree, you're going to see Silk and Cat. That, that's Spitestown's mom. So this is such a speed-laden line. And I, I don't necessarily when – when you've been running off, in his mind, he's a natural-born leader. So, look, if you're in the race and you've got a horse that's been open up four and six, I, I wouldn't try to change it on the fly. You know, so I just think that with that type of speed and that pedigree, you know, you, you can't stick away from what got you there. And in the withers, in the turn, I thought he was going to win by, like, 15 in the withers and you know maybe he was wrapped up or maybe he was getting a tiny bit tired but his seven to one mile type speed is, nobody can even run with him anywhere close in new york i yeah I, actually that was a very fast pace caleb so i actually liked i, I liked the withers um i'll just give my opinion quick and then caleb i'll let you have a final thought and we'll let you go and then uh, we'll talk about the our, our pick five tickets after Caleb has left the show because I've already kept Caleb on. We love talking about horse racing, right, Caleb? You could probably do it for no hours. Doubt. Absolutely. So uh, thanks for coming on tonight. Um, I don't know if you saw the works, Caleb, at Belmont, but I did happen to see, um, not in person, of course, but I did see a tape. It looks to me, and Paul, maybe you can speak to this more since I know you you follow, you know, Pete does too, but I know you're, you have, you're very in tune 
to New York, Paul. It looks like to me Chad is trying to slow him a little bit down early, get him in behind horses, because his works, he really accelerated at the end of his work, and he galloped out really well. And remember, guys, this is a horse that only made its third lifetime start off a two-month layoff and almost beat Mo Donegal, who a lot of people thought you know was going to win the Derby. I have a feeling, Caleb, and I don't know exactly. Here's my gut feeling. I think early voting is going to go, but I don't think he's going to send. I think Jose is going to look to his right and see what Armagnac does. I believe, at least I hope, that they're going to let Armagnac go. Epicenter will be right on Armagnac's flank. And I think early voting sets that perfect pocket trip. And then when um, uh, Epicenter makes his move on the turn, early voting just tips out the way that we just saw Secret Oath tip out. And then it's a horse race. And the other thing I just want to say is I do, I'm do. i completely against um, these horses that are coming back in two weeks, especially the number two creative minister. I know some people like him and they say, well, you know, Caleb, look, he's improving every start to come back off of two weeks and expect this horse to move up again to me is very unlikely. I don't think simplification is going to move up. I don't think creative minister is going to move up. I, I Secret oath. I, I just have a hard time, Caleb, that she's going to move up. I fully respect your opinion, but I, I'm against her on Saturday. I think early voting to me is the one that can really step up in the buyer number. And I agree with Paul. Epicenter is the horse to beat. I don't know. Like, is he going to run another 100 buyer? I, I just, you know, Skippy Longstocking, I think, is not impossible to get in the mix. Caleb, I'll let you have the final thought before you leave us. Obviously, you think Secret Oath. Uh, she's going to have to step up, though, right? I don't think she can run that 94 or 95 and win. She's going to have to run maybe closer to 100. I'm assuming you think she can do that Saturday. Yeah, I really think she can. And when they gave out the early thoroughgraph numbers going into, like, pool three, kind of into the last round, she had the two lowest thoroughgraph numbers. She had a couple ones, and everybody else, all the boys were kind of stuck at two. So she had numbers that already were competitive to maybe – be a threat in the Kentucky Derby. And I just love Saez with the weight break and the fact that she's going to time this move well. Two more prices to hit before we go. Go sure. to the nine here real quick yeah. and Skippy Longstocking. Yeah. Now, the nine's got a long body of work. But if you look at the Wood Memorial, like like start start that video just a little bit. Yeah. With early voting. We got Mo Donegal. Where do you want and, me to – I watched the well, replay. Where do you want me to hit it Okay, at, so you know? let's just watch early and you'll see okay. that – Let's compare the six this, to the one. Whoops, sorry and the, about six, that. Is the, six. the six is always way wider than Mo Donegal. The yep. whole way around. Mo yep. Donegal had his left side scraping the rail the whole time. Yep. And as they go down the backside in the middle. So it was a little bit less than four links. But Skippy Longstocking had to have lost at least one or two links on ground loss. So now you're saying. All, all the way Skippy, on the outside right now. Sorry all the way on the you. outside. Yeah. And still makes a nice move. And then when they come into the stretch, still was grinding out there in the middle when everybody wanted to be at the rail. Your top two finishers are on the inside. Look at this one now peeling to the outside. So, I mean, this is right probably here. a length and a half, two lengths of ground loss. So, that being said, yeah. now you're looking at a horse that was, you know, a length and a half or two lengths behind Mo Donegal and, and, and early voting here in this lineup. So, I, I am predicting the fast pace, and this is one of those horses that could be the benefit. Uh, from that. So I thought this was a, a decent little third, especially when you compare to the ground loss of Mo Donegal. And then let's go back to the two real quick in Creative Minister. Okay. I know, Howard, you've got some reasons to play against, which could be Sage, but I, I do want to say that when the two debuted, I was at Goldstream Park for the Fountain of Youth, and this horse was working A minuses and outworking Rattle and Roll, who was a grade one winner yes, at the he time. Was. 
So he gets left, and plus they don't really bet McPeak in these maiden special weights at Gulfstream. It's either Pusher or Sappy. And the horse came rolling, just missed. And you yeah. could kind of tell in this race that I, I didn't think that the kickback wasn't a problem to him. He gets almost out of the screen. So this yeah. is a lot to ask. And for him to come up and, and nearly get this win after the works, uh, you know, you knew he's a real horse. The, he is the out of the screen. He's the seven. And by the way, Caleb, he was 15 to one morning line that day. And I watched the works at XBTV and laughed my ass off because I saw his <laughs> outworking rally and roll. And I told a friend, I said, I told his friend, I said, dude, this horse is no way near going to be 15 to one. He might even be favorite. And sure enough, you see Mason's big run. Uh, he's a nice horse. Don't get me wrong, Caleb. I just think this is too much too soon. But I think he's a very one, nice horse. One final thing here is he's going to make up the ground for second. The race on Derby Day, Andy Byer came on and said that the raw number for race four was higher than his speed figure for the Kentucky Derby. Now, obviously, they adjusted that down, which they do. They, they put in, uh, you know, some the human element to it, and they brought it down to a 92. But his last two wins, Creative Minister, they haven't asked him in the stretch. So I do think that it's, it's a tough ask. But the thing about the two weeks, everybody's off a two-week turnaround. Secret oath. And not, early and the not, early, not, not early voting. Not early voting. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, you're right. A lot of them are coming off in two weeks. No, I, I'm, and I think he didn't have any, Oh, race. sorry, Caleb. I was going to say, and he didn't have to contend with 20 horses as well. So, the, yeah, his his job wasn't as difficult. He got a he got a pretty nice trip. He so he didn't have to work as hard as maybe Epicenter did. Even simplification coming from as far back as he did. Caleb, last question, then I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna let you go. And thanks again, by the way, Caleb Keller has been awesome. We have almost 200 people watching live on YouTube, Caleb, and I guarantee there's probably close to 1,000 people watching on Twitter. So the the uh, crowd tonight has been fantastic, all because Caleb Keller, of course, is here. So, Caleb, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, I, unless you have insight to McPeak, and I know you know the Kentucky circuit well, do you think Creative Minister would be here if it were not for such a quote-unquote weak field? In other words, if this was a stronger field in your mind, or opinion, or do you know factually? Do you think McPeak would have sent Creative Minister here? Because I think that's an interesting question that does need to be answered if you like Creative Minister, don't you think? I think Kenny told everybody they were going to the Preakness about the eighth pole of that allowance win. I think that he had <laughs> it in his. I think he had it in, in his mind that it was a, a, a possibility with Rattle and Roll not moving forward and Dash Attack and Smile Happy. You know, it's been a great run for McPeak, but his three you know precocious two year olds somewhat you know flattened out, and now maybe this is the the new guy for the barn to the scene. Uh, Kale, by the way, though, everyone at home and watching, uh, do not leave us. We're going to talk for about five more minutes about the Preakness, and then we're going to show our pick fives. We're going to let Caleb go because he's had a very long day and has already stayed way over the time that I allotted for him. Caleb, any final thoughts for our viewers and handicappers on Saturday uh, for the Preakness? No, y'all got a great show. I think you have a great back-and-forth conversation. You got a good, healthy bit of disagreement, a really good insight. I love the, the mirror match uh, where you can go to the formulator on YouTube and show the charts, the past performances. So uh, you guys do a great job, and I was happy to be a guest. Caleb, thanks, thanks Caleb. a lot. Really thanks, great. Caleb. Have yeah, a safe, great. safe drive home, and next time we meet, Caleb, let's hit the let's hit the track and then play 18 holes somewhere. How does that sound? <laughs> hey, that's a great day. All right. Thanks a lot, Caleb. Really appreciate yes, it. Have a great night. Take, Take care. care. All right, Caleb Keller, again, don't leave the show, guys. Again, we want to thank Caleb uh, for sticking on this long and, and talking about uh, the race. Let's go back, Paul. Looks like you want to uh, talk about something as I bring back the well, APs here. you know, you, you talk about intent out, and, and I don't really like Creative Minister either. However, I want to tell you that they paid 180000 for this horse 
When a horse is born, it costs $600 to supplement him to the Triple Crown races, okay? And then it goes up, and then the last chance, I think, is like 6000 To supplement at this point, they are spending $150,000 to put him in this race. They spent yeah. one eighty. He's earned one. He's only earned one forty. Okay, so you know, and it, it's not like uh, no disrespect, Pete, to the Baltimore people, but it's not like going to Pimlico is like <laughs> you need box seats at the Derby. Okay, you could probably go, you could probably get decent seats at Pimlico anyway. So I, I'm not sure what's going on with that, but that is a huge, huge leap of faith for the ownership group. And McPeak is a ten percent owner himself by the way. So presumably it would have cost him 15 unless the, the owners picked up the other owners picked up the tab, but you know, to spend one fifty to go to this race, they're going to have to finish in the top three to get their money back. I was just, it's boy, Paul, great minds think alike. I, I just, listen, I understand people want to go with a fresh face and maybe I'm wrong. I think this horse is at best third. I, I just, I don't see it. I think coming back in two weeks, you know, on a very hot day with this, field even not a great field i think this is a very very tough ask and that, i like skippy longstocking at 20 to 1 a lot more than creative minister at 10 to 1 uh, that's my opinion uh because i think uh skippy longstocking as we just watched the replays uh you know gave a good effort and can improve again everyone at home you've got to ask yourself this question it's not about what necessarily they've done before it's just like the stock market when you handicap horse racing what is going to happen going forward who is going to have that jump to, uh, at the Preakness on Saturday? And to me, uh, it's early voting and Skippy Longstocking are the most likely horses to take that step forward. While in my opinion, I think a lot of horses can take a step back because of the pace, because of the quick turnaround, whatever. And I don't think Secret Oath might necessarily take a step back. I just don't think she's fast enough, guys. And if she wins, it'd be an unbelievable story. But, uh, Pete, I just don't think she's good enough. Uh, what was your final thought? You don't have uh, her in the top three either. Can she win? Do you have her on the C line? Uh, Pete, I'd almost be tempted to just toss her completely in my mind. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say. She's second choice, right, Pete? Is she I'm not going to say. Yeah, oh, 100%. She might be second because, choice over her Yeah, I mean, right? just, because of the, just because of the name recognition, the yeah, Oaks absolutely. win, I, I think that's a given. The only thing I'll say is I, I think she can win. Again, I think Epicenter, like you said, Epicenter is going to have to take a step back for her to beat Epicenter. I'm actually wondering if we're just if we're just even spinning our wheels talking about <laughs> an Epicenter is just going to bury this field in some could way be. anyway. But could be. I, I think I, I never like to say a horse that's this talented can't win because, again, if she jumps up, you know, four points and gets to like a 98 range and epicenter just doesn't run his race and gets worn down or he somehow gets caught up in, cause you know, she's not going to get caught up in the pace. Whereas epicenter, eh, you never know. He could be a little yeah. too close. Maybe the pace gets hot. Some weird things happen. Um, so I, I'm not going to give her a, a complete no, but no, she's, she's not going to be on my, on my a line, but my a line is just one number anyway. I, I really, really, and I, I'm going with early voting, guys. I, I, li I like him a lot. I think I might. By the way, people that are listening and watching, please comment in the chat. Who is going to be second choice in this race? I'd love to hear your opinion. Not not your second choice, but uh, on the tote board. Is it going to be secret oath or is it going to be early voting? I'm fascinating to hear what people believe uh, watching the show tonight on who you believe will be second choice uh, in this race because I think it's actually going to be a secret oath. And I think I'm going to get, you know, three and a half because people see Armagnac 
uh, Paul. And they're like, oh, that's going to hurt early voting. Actually, I think in a way it helps me because I think it's going to help the price. And I really, really believe early voting is going to sit just off the lead uh, in this race. We'll, we'll just have to see. Guys, let, let's go talk about our pick fives. And I'm going to go last. Hey, wait, uh, wait, Howard, before we do the pick five, real fast yeah. for, for Tom and for Tom Espinosa for us. Hey, yeah. Tom, in the, in the 14th, the degenerate race, I know Paul handicapped it. <laughs> best, best bet of the day. Best bet of the day. It's not a great price, but it's, it's my best bet of the day. The three wow. quicksand, I don't even know how to pronounce it, quicksand, ah, ah, whatever you want to pronounce it. <laughs> best bet of the day. Take it to the bank, Tom. That's, that's for you. There you go. Tom, uh, there you go. Tom Espinosa, quicksand, a, 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 I, a, whatever. Whatever that hey, is. Hey, Pete, yeah. Pete, you just saved me 13 <laughs> seconds of my life that I would have taken to handicap that race. I, handicapped, I actually handicapped it all the way through. I didn't even know what the hell I was looking at half the time, but I actually went through because I knew Tom would be looking uh, for something there. All right. Pete, just because you brought up the degenerate special, I'm going to let you go first. Again, uh, please please stay with, with us, folks. We're going to be on for about another 10 minutes here. Let's talk about ticket construction because I think it's fascinating, mainly because you know Pete and Paul uh, and and uh, all you viewers and listeners out there, a lot of people, a lot of people are going to be signaling Epicenter. If Epicenter loses, this pick five is going to be much bigger, even if it's with the second choice. Uh, Pete, read through your ticket and explain your your uh, your ticket construction of the late pick five on Saturday. Sure. So my ticket is first leg five six seven nine, second leg seven nine ten. Third leg one six eight nine. Fourth leg two three six seven, and fifth leg I'm singling up a center. But yeah, I think so for the for the sort of caveman ticket to keep it under the number. I went with the single of epicenter, which is probably what I would do in my in my top line A, whatever you want to call it, highest denomination ticket. I think I'll single epicenter, but I don't think I'm going to go out and just be happy just having him. I'm going to pick a couple horses. I actually like Creative Minister, so I'm going to have him. I'll have early voting because I do think he is the best speed, and he, I, I think he he took it wire to wire wouldn't shock me at all. So I'm going to definitely have a ticket with at least those two on it. Those are the only two, maybe secret oath. If I get, you know, just, I don't feel like getting beat by her if, uh, if it is a nice ticket. And again, beating epicenter with anyone I think is going to make this pick five pay off, especially because like, ha- like uh, Paul said that leg four wide open. So I think you can get any kind of price there. I think actually all the, like I said, I think at the beginning of the show, I think the first four legs are just sort of wide open. So it might be we're even two epicenter. If you can just get those top four and you can get a couple prices in there, I think it could even pay to epicenter, maybe not balloons, but at least a decent amount. I want to show everyone very quickly. I've had a bunch of people, Pete and Paul, ask me about a caveman ticket versus an ABC because not everyone's familiar with what I've been talking about. This is my YouTube page, of course. If you look below everyone on my YouTube page, I have a section called betting strategies. And on on the one on the right there, I put a 26-minute video together last year on the ABC method and using a DRF ticket maker. So I highly recommend, if you're not familiar with the ABC method, you take a look at you watch that video because I think uh, you you learn a lot uh, from it. And basically, the difference is in ABC, you're weighing your opinions differently. With a caveman ticket, you're basically weighing each horse the same. So when you're too deep in a caveman ticket, you're basically saying that I think there's an equal chance of them winning. When most handicappers 
never feel that way about two horses. Uh, Paul, your pick five, sir. Go ahead. Howard, I noticed on your YouTube channel is a picture of you. It looks like you're on TVG. Were you on TVG? We never heard that. <laughs> we never heard that before. Um, I don't. I'll have to go back and look. I'm not sure. I mean, well, I thought it was. Should... I, I thought it was Caleb. You looked so good on there. I thought it was Caleb Pete. for a second. A nice wow. young guy. Pete, don't <laughs> wow. you think you should talk about that a little bit? I mean, just a little bit more. That's almost like me and you talking about how we're bringing all the viewers, but we'll we'll move on from that. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, but we who, who, we, who the we, hell we asked these guys? Who the hell asked these guys to be my co-host? I mean, what the hell? <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. Um, okay, so how I went. Um, <laughs> I went one five seven with five seven ten, with five six eight, with two three five six with five eight. Again, this is not a sequence I would play a caveman ticket, but my ticket is one oh eight. But I just like to say for the record, my ticket last night was ninety, so I had a ten dollar credit. So I'm still one ninety eight over the two days. I'm two dollars to the good. Thank you. It's big days. You got the money. Spend the extra $8. Okay. Now, now, now Paul, I got to listen. If you gave me a little crap, I got to push back. I got to ask you a question. Little, little Paulie is sitting in his room when he was a little boy, and mom or yep. dad says, go clean your room, Paul. Did you respond? I don't have to, mommy or daddy, because I cleaned my room the last four times before, and so now I've got some credit. How will that? How did that go over in the Halloran household? I was I was watching racing on TV. I wasn't cleaning <laughs> Hey, by the way, Paul, I see you have all it's weird. You have all you have a five in every leg yesterday. For some odd reason, it, it struck me. I had a yeah. six in every leg. And I was yeah. like, I don't even know if I do that before. But, hey, we get a five, 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 yeah. five. And then there you go. And again, I actually had a trim down that I was originally five deep in the penultimate leg. Uh, mm-hmm. I had the nine in there as well. Um, but I did yeah. in a caveman ticket. Um, I definitely want early voting in it. You know, I, I mean, if I were playing a caveman, I, I would use Epicenter. Uh, as I said, I, I'm not going to play a caveman. But uh, I, I think that uh, the third and fourth legs especially are the legs to, to get paid off. Yeah. All right. Now, I know we had a, we've had a few viewers leave the show, but I don't know why, because here's your winning pick five ticket right here. Uh, I'm going five, six, seven, nine with five, seven, ten with one, five, six, eight. With two, three, five, nine, ready? With drop the mic, early voting, single, bam! Take that, epicenter. Uh, listen, in all reality, I'm not. I'm going to play an ABC ticket, but the value on early voting that you're going to get is so much higher than epicenter. And I really, really believe early voting is going to take a step forward, and epicenter might, might take a slight step back. Uh, that that's what I'm looking at. I'm obviously using Epicenter also as an A. I'm using them equally in my ABC, ladies and gentlemen. But if I were to play a caveman ticket, I might just take a chance with uh, early voting. You know, why not? I think he's very good. I think he's very talented. I think you could see Cloud compete, uh, com- computing all over again for the same connections. I'm fascinated. Guys, before we go ahead and wrap up the show, uh, any final thoughts on the pick five sequence? Pete, I'll let you go first or just anything uh, in general, uh, on the second leg of the Triple Crown. No, just another exciting week, another Triple Crown weekend. It's great having all the all the listeners, all the viewers share this with us because these are the, I mean, obviously these are the three, the three weeks of the year where, you know, almost everyone gets a little bit involved, not as much as Derby, but it's just a great time of year and it's good to be sharing it with you guys and sharing it with all our, all our listeners and all our viewers. Paul? 
I just I would want to thank Caleb and you know I I, yeah. I want to say just something very quickly about people in horse racing. You know, Andy Serlin came on last week at the at the last minute because Big A had to be on the air and yeah. Andy Serling was on the air that night until six o'clock. Now Andy t- lives in the city. He takes public transportation out to Belmont. You, you may or may not realize that, yeah, but no, I know. it's a minimum, a minimum of an hour to get back into the city. And he was on with us at, I think it was 8.15, Howard, 8.30 maybe. Uh, Nick Tamaro uh, was was ready to come on, but he was calling races. Uh, the, the things, and I've found this in, in my kind of side job with doing interviews, uh, you know, reaching out to people in racing that uh, – you know, a big names, you, you know, having to call Dallas Stewart for a Travers preview and leaving a message and called me when he landed, when the plane landed before he got off the plane and, you know, reaching out to people. It, it just doesn't happen in other sports, you know, and, and these guys are at the top of their game. Andy Serling, like him, don't like him, don't care. He is absolutely at the top of his game of what he does. Caleb Keller is a phenomenal young talent on TV. Nick Tamaro, I think, is as good a handicapper as out there, and he's becoming a really good track announcer. So I just appreciate people like that, um, you know, recognizing, obviously, the burgeoning nature of this podcast (laughs) and how much it has improved over the last several weeks and uh, being willing to come on with us. Nice dig uh, at the end. That was a very beautiful sentiment with a dig right at the end. I love it. That's it. That's East Coast right there, baby. I'll, I'll, I'm going to be uh, how it will be well taken care of, Pete at Belmont. It will take care of him. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to end the show with this. Uh, this show is at the, the, the moment that I decided to bring you guys on as co-host was one of the best decisions I could make for this podcast a few weeks ago. And you guys are doing an awesome job. The feedback has been tremendous. So thank you guys for all the time and effort you're putting in. And Paul, I just want to echo the sediments. I mean, I, people are probably listening, like Howard keeps saying, we'll let you go, we'll let you go. It's hard to tell, right? Because we love talking about horse racing. Kale loves talking about horse racing, but then again, he just worked a, you know, a six hour shift. Maybe he has to go home to a family. I'm not sure is, you know, situation, but whatever, you know, he's got traffic to deal with out on the West coast. I you know he's out there in California. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, so, you know, it's tricky for me. I, you know, should we let Caleb keep talking? Do we let him go? But uh, Caleb Keller was fantastic. Thank you so much. We look forward to having him on again, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up next week. We are on Tuesday. Again, if you weren't here at the beginning of the show, I know a lot of you were not next Tuesday night, 8 PM Eastern. We're just going to have a viewer Q and a, so email me questions or DM me on Twitter. Any questions you have for any one of us, I'm not sure who's going to be on with me on Tuesday, but you can ask us anything about horse racing. And I put this out on email. If you want to ask me some other questions about my life in general, I'm within reason, of course. I'll be happy to you know, talk about myself a little bit as well. Um, so next Tuesday is just purely, let's take a little break on handicapping and just have a Q&A. So, we're at a, so please join us next Tuesday. And then... A week from today, 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going to have Billy Koch, the racing uh, manager of Little Red and Feather Racing out in California, will be our guest next Thursday. Talk about uh, his program and also the late pick five next weekend and the stake races they have on Labor Day weekend at Santa Anita. For Pete Visco and Paul Halloran, this has been Howard Kravitz in episode 141 of the HHH racing podcast we wish everyone great success on preakness day this saturday 
Stay cool if you're out there. It's going to be hot. Take care, everyone. Have a great night.